Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show, The Big Show, the most important and critically acclaimed podcast that is recorded in our car. And today I'm in a rental car, and I'm on a trip, and I'm alone. There is no spice today with me. Well, there is a spice today. She just happens to be somewhere in a high mountain pass out in Wyoming or Idaho or Montana. Not really sure where she is today. She's up there somewhere or other. She and her buddy friend, pal, Doc, are out doing those things that they love to do, which is involving traipsing up and down every stiff, tall, rugged mountain there is. At least that's what she's told me she's doing. Who knows? She might be sitting in a, in a spa getting her toenails done. I have no idea because I'm not there. I'm here. I'm on my way to Ohio. On the road, so I've got all day long, and I decided to do a couple podcasts for you, a couple things we've been thinking about, talking about. Uh, today I want to talk about something that uh, motivates me, and I did a, a a podcast which you may or may not have heard. I know it's in the queue, but to be honest, we have, uh, last time I checked, we have... 30 or so podcasts that, that we've done that have not actually played yet. Um, frankly, it's a lot easier to do the podcast than it is to do the articles that go with them. It just takes a lot of time, and there, we have a limited amount of time. So we have a lot of podcasts that have articles to go with them that you just haven't heard yet. So one of the ones I did on uh, that you may or may not have heard by the time you hear this is one on fear. And what is it we fear, and how do we use fear as a prepping tool? And I'm not really going to talk about fear as a prepping tool again, because, frankly, I did it once, and once should be enough, right? What I am going to talk about, however, is something I fear, and how that fear motivates me for this particular thing. And we're basically... Uh, something that I think a lot of us preppers fear, and a lot of us preppers use as motivations. So let's just get right down to it. What am I talking about? I'm talking about electromechanical pulse, the EMP. And I have been worried, and it haunts my, my dreams some night, the whole concept of an EMP, because for me, that's a that is just about a worst-case non-extinction-level event that could hit my country. It is, I think, depending on how exactly it could happen, worse than an actual nuclear attack. Maybe not worse than an extinction-level nuclear attack, but if just like five or six cities got wiped out by nukes, this, well, obviously for the people in those cities it would be bad, but it wouldn't be as bad as an EMP taking out the entire country. If you don't know what an EMP is, you're probably, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast, because frankly, you know, people who listen to this podcast know what an EMP is. Electromechanical pulse is a nuclear bomb or bombs strategically placed high up in the atmosphere that go kaboom and cause a large pulse of electricity to come out and fry 
electronics. Now, there is also the natural... Um, they're not electromechanical pulses, but they're, they're certainly natural uh, events that can do similar damage to what an electromechanical pulse can do. Uh, for example, the Carrington event that, that hit us in the 1800s that fried uh, telegraphs across the nation, and then in some cases they just powered the telegraph. They unhooked the, they unhooked, it was a solar storm, they unhooked the telegraphs from their batteries. Batteries were rare and expensive at the time. They were still able to use the telegraphs even though the batteries were unhooked because the the sun power, the actual electricity in the air was powering the telegraphs. And how about that? People um, who are estimators estimated that a lot of modern electronics would have been fried by the, that same level of a solar event. And I'm thinking those solar events are probably not that rare. So I suspect we're going to be hit by one of them one of these days. But that wouldn't be as bad as an intentional electromechanical pulse designed to take out the United States electrically. So, to me, I use this discomfort, this fear, if you will, as my guideline for a lot of my prepping. And here's why. With a few notable exceptions... The electromechanical pulse prepping that I do also covers a lot of other events that could come up. For example, being able to filter water where my water doesn't work because we had an EMP. Well, okay, being able to filter water for lots of events. Electrical outage, you know, power can go out due to a storm, and it can be out for Weeks to months. Look at the poor people in Puerto Rico. Yeah, I know we're not Puerto Rico, but some storms are big. And uh, so uh, having a, a good supply of food to prep for an electromechanical pulse. So it is here. Having the ability to garden and use hand tools to do it, not depending on, you know, power tools. There you go. Another thing, electromechanical pulse or just regular good old-fashioned problems. So there are a few exceptions that we had to basically add into our thing. In fact, I, I so much think about electromechanical pulse that I admit I overdo it a little bit, and it causes some blind areas in our preps. And one of these things that I noticed was uh, and we've talked about this before, but I want to mention it again. Back when the latest, you know, the second latest Ebola scare was out there, I was never afraid that we were going to get, get Ebola in North Missouri, where I live. It's a very unrealistic concern. Having said that, I got to thinking, okay, well, what is a realistic concern? Flu. Pandemic. Absolutely. Had one in 1918 that could have killed us all, or at least did kill a whole bunch of us. Was I ready for that? Absolutely not. I didn't have protective gear. I didn't have training. I was not ready for it. So, now I am. I got face shields. I got face masks. I got gowns. I got gloves. 
and I got trained, which is probably one of the most important parts of that. I got trained. I now know what I'm doing. So I have all kinds of tools. And the place we have, we have, you know, our budget location, our place, the place. One of the, the reasons that we have the place is one of the things it's primarily set up to to be our go-to place for is pandemic because it will get us away from people. If we stay in town, we're still at risk of being having people forcing their way in on us. And I'm not just talking about, you know, looters and stuff like that. I'm talking about government. And I, I we really don't get into political stuff on 3BY. But, uh, yeah, the government, they can be a little, um, oh, a little assertive. Let's just put it that way. When it comes to doing their own thing, when they declare states of emergency and all that kind of nonsense. So, EMPs, they, they power me. They power me to do um, things that... Uh, a little bit differently than I would if I weren't prepping for EMPs. For example, iron sights on everything. Yeah, I have electronics on some of my... I got uh, EOTech devices. I love EOTech uh, holographic sights. And they are somewhat shielded from EMP, somewhat. Uh, but, you know, they will probably turn into uh, useless little doorstops if a big EMP hits. <coughs> Excuse me. Those iron sights will <coughs> Excuse me again. Those iron sights won't. When I purchase regular optics like scopes, I make sure they work without the uh, any electronic radicals on them. I'm not opposed to radicals that light up, but I just want to make sure they work without it. And it's the good, clear sight picture without those working. Additionally, I am a big fan of of the. Uh, Tritium sites. I love the Trichicon Tritium ACOG sites. Love them. Love them to death, but don't own one. It's just, I cannot justify the expense of them. I just can't do it. I don't have that kind of money. I mean, I'm already paying serious money for my self-defense gun to put it a, to put a $1,500 optic on it. It's just like, ah. I'm not a warfighter. This is not, I will never be a warfighter. I'm too old. Uh, I'm not mobile enough. My knees aren't that good. Uh, I'm just not going to be a warfighter. If I ever had to, to, boot, to, to get forced into a warfighting situation, I would be the guy back covering other people as they went out forward. And I would be back with my big old uh, 308 AR-10. It was a long barrel. I had a big scope. And I'd provide cover fire because that's all I'm, that's all I'm going to be useful for in, in that sort of situation. Now, I, I have self-defense guns to defend my house. Uh, that I could do. But everything that I'm talking about doing is defensive, not offensive. So yeah, EMP. I, I I pay attention to this stuff. If I my bug out vehicles, well, since they're bicycles, they're EMP proof. 
I can't really justify owning an EMP-proof automobile because, well, I've already got three vehicles and we're two people. But she asked, we both have to have good, reliable, decent mileage vehicles for work. And then our third vehicle is an old farm truck. And I suppose I could trade that off in for a... um, 1960s model, something or other, four-wheel drive, something or other. But frankly, those are all ate up. I mean, those those are very rare and far between and expensive, and it's just not worth. It's not worth it. I don't have anywhere I need to go that bad because, you know, for an EMP, I'm not bugging out. I'm bugging in. But I already live in a bug out location, so that's part of it. You know, you know, people. I am where I live is where people want to be bugging out too for an EMP. Because I live where the food is. And, uh, you know, I keep coming back to where the food is. You may not know that because you may not have seen the, uh, yeah, we may not have seen all the podcasts that we've done yet. But, uh, yeah, I'm working on a story right now, an article right now. So that's where the food is. That's where I live. I live where the grain elevators are full of grain and where the fields are are full of corn and soybeans, and even when they're not, the, the pastures are full of cattle. That's where the food is. We make food for you guys in the city. That's what we do. So if I'm going to be in a situation where the grid's down, the, the uh, power's down, and we're all kind of on our own, I'm going to be where the food is. I'm going to be where the water is. I think that's a reasonable approach to having... a a survival situation is be in a situation where you can survive and you don't have to worry about gangs and you don't have to worry about, <coughs> excuse me, riots. We're not going to have a riot in my little community. We're just not. It's not going to happen. Why? Because everybody knows everybody. We're almost family anyway. And the few people that are, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Dirt bags. We know who they are. We already know who they are, you know? So, you know, there's that. And I'm not saying this to say, oh, I'm so great. You know, look at me. No, that's not my point. What I'm, I'm just trying to say, look, I've thought about this a lot. I put my money where my mouth is. We have put our money where our mouths are. You know, we believe that this is the right thing for us to do. So we did it. We didn't talk about it. We didn't ponder about it. Well, we we actually did for a while, of course. But we chose to live where we did based on our belief system. And and so there's that. I don't really know what else to tell people. I know that um, it's not for everybody. Everybody can't do it or everybody won't do it. You couldn't. Um, it just people don't want to live where we live, and that's fine. But choices are choices. It, it is what it is. You, if you decide to live where the people are, not the food, okay, that's fine. But you need to have a plan. And to me, the EMP is a good thing to base your plan on because it's about the worst case survivable scenario. And it's not going to be survivable for all that many of us, to be honest with you. Yeah, there's worse. There's worse things that can happen. Nuclear 
all-out thermonuclear war uh, where, you know, planet goes, gets chucked into a, a nuclear winter, but we all die. So really, there's no point in planning on that. Um, this part of the world in Yellowstone, Yellowstone blows up. We're all going to die. Okay? Yellowstone will blow up one of these days, and that will be the end of the United States of America if it lasts that long. It's just the way it's going to be. You know, everybody talks about, uh, talks about, uh, you know, the future this, the future that. Yeah, the future's that way until Yellowstone blows again. Like it does. And that's that. That's the end. It's all she wrote for anything in pretty much this hemisphere and probably the other one too. I mean, it's a Yellowstone may or may not be an extinction level event, but it's sure going to kill a lot of us. And where we live in the Midwest, we certainly would be under the, under the, it's going to eventually kill us. So, so there's really no point in my opinion to prep for that. If that was my biggest fear, and if that was what I prepped for, I would, there are places I would move. And I would move to places that are self-sufficient. But those are hard to find. Those are really hard to find. If you want to find a place that is, you know, totally, totally safe from everything, uh, that doesn't exist here on this planet. It doesn't. There's no place you can go. Obviously, some places are more dangerous than others. I mean, I wouldn't like to advise anybody to uh, buy some land in the Royal Garden subdivision on the Big Island in Hawaii right now. Because the Kilauea Paving Corporation is in full swing right now. So, yeah, I wouldn't want to live there. There's places in this world that have very few natural disasters, and there are places that are natural disasters waiting to happen. But every place has its pluses and minuses. But for EMP, it really wouldn't matter, because it would take out large sections of the country, okay, without discrimination of other disaster risks. Galveston Island, you, if you're on Galveston Island, you have very big risk from hurricanes, right? If you live in Oklahoma, you, you're living in Twister Alley, right? Okay, you with me? Yeah. But both of those places are equally exposed to EMP. When you're living in California, you're well, I just don't have much of an answer for you living in California and you're listening to this podcast. Uh, I guess, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I really don't have a lot of advice for you. Um, good luck with that. I'm sorry, I just... It baffles me. Yeah, I get the weather, I get that, yeah. But, yeah. Anyway. But let's say you're living here in Missouri. Good old Missouri, Right? What are, we, what are we at risk from? Well, depending on where you are, we could potentially be at risk from wildfire. It's possible. Tornadoes? Absolutely. Twisters come through here all the time. Drought? Yeah. Not California-level drought, but drought. Yeah. 
Uh, they're chopping our crop, crops for silage right now. We, we're not getting a crop this year. It happens. Uh, what are we at risk for? Ice storms? Certainly. Oh, boy, they hit hard. They hit hard. Blizzards? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, torrential rain? Yeah. Flooding? Yeah. We got all that stuff, right? Biggest risk? New Madrid earthquake. I mean, a New Madrid goes, and it will. You know, drops off a drops off a good nine on the Richter scale, which is about what it does when it goes. The big one. That's gonna flatten half the half the state. It will. It's just it's just part of it. It's gonna happen. So you know, there's risks for everywhere. Even the quote unquote American redoubt that survivalists and, and preppers hear so much about. Our good friends out there in the in the American redoubt up in Idaho and stuff like that. Well, winter storms, sure. Look at that. With the changing weather patterns, it's going to be interesting to do. And I, I'm not going to hear debate about global warming and all that kind of stuff. I'm just telling you, the weather patterns are changing. They are. It's provable. I'm not going to get into causes. I don't care about the causes. I just care about the effects. Uh, we've, we've, we're having weird years now. So, what's going to happen? The, the glaciers, they're melting. I'm sorry, they are. I've been to Glacier National Park when it was a lot bigger than it, still, than it was now. You know, I, I don't know what to tell you. So, everywhere has their problems. But everywhere is equally at threat from an EMP. Even in nuclear war, you go with that. Places are not nearly as a threat. You know, Omaha, Nebraska used to be ground zero for the United States for a nuclear war. That was your number one place that was going to be hit for sure, um, other than D.C., was Omaha, Nebraska. They were ground zero. Why? Strategic Air Command. So we, where we are, are definitely in the pol- the, the uh, fallout pattern for Omaha, Nebraska. So it, it would have been a problem for us had Omaha been nuked. Now, not so much, because there is no Strategic Air Command, and Omaha is just Omaha. And with the possible exception of one of the best zoos in the world and the College World Series, there's really not a lot to nuke in Omaha. I mean, you have to really be hard up to want to nuke Omaha because they have the largest captive uh, selection of lowland gorillas. I mean, that's not much of a reason to nuke a town. I don't think it is. But my point being, EMP is a motivator. And so I'm motivated by it. Okay, thank you for listening. Bye.